On this episode, I ruin Kelsey's life. Again. With season two of The Leftovers. Season two. Hi, welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things that you like. I am Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And this is our second episode about The Leftovers. It is. And if you have not seen Leftovers Season 2, stop right now. Go watch it. Turn off the podcast. Throw your, your podcast, catch your podcatcher, your phone, your iPod, whatever. Throw it in the toilet <laughs> and flush it down the toilet. Don't do that. And then go watch The Leftovers Season 2 because it's great. You might need your phone to watch the leftover season. Two. Put it in the ground. Put it six <laughs> feet deep. You gotta body your phone. Put it six feet deep and then sing a song <laughs> and bring it back to life. <laughs> See, that's a spoiler right there. So you should have listened to us, okay? I'm serious about this. We're not, we're not gonna hold anything back because this is, in my mind, one of the greatest seasons of television ever made, and I feel very strongly about it. And we can't get into that with you, with you spoiler phobes out there. We should start. They're gone now, right? <clears throat> yes. True. Although, <laughs> on the other hand, if someone had told you what happens in episode eight of this show, of this season of this show. Episode eight or episode nine? Episode eight. Episode and eight. International, International Assassin. Assassin. Okay. If someone described to you the plot of that episode, like before you saw. I, I would have been like, it is how it happens because I don't know how you get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You mean what? He what? He, he does what? Okay. Quick recap for those of us, for those of you joining back in. The Leftovers is a American drama television program. It's a drama. It's like a family drama, but it's also like a pseudo sci-fi story. It's a kind it's of magical realist. It's a, it's a magical. It's, it's magical realist, and it, in it, in it, in it, I think deep down, it was created by Damon Lindelof of Lost and Tom Perota, author of the book The Leftovers. Ran for three years, and season two in particular ran from uh, October 2015 to the uh, about the end of the year. 10 episodes, 10 beautiful episodes. So, broadly speaking, the plot of this season of The Leftovers, Kevin and Nora and Jill and the little, little baby, the Lily. Li- Lily? Lily. Lily. Yeah, Lily. Uh, move to Jarden, Texas, which is part of a, which is a small town where no one was, was uh, departured. No one disappeared on the day of the departure. And because of that, there's sort of been a strange mythology and, and obsession that's grown up around Jarden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's sort of looked at as kind of a blessed place, but the people who live there, they are they are they have just as many problems as the uh, as the Garveys, if not more so. <laughs> I mean, possibly more so. Uh, we follow both the you know the Garvey, the new reformed Garvey clan, uh, through their time moving to Jarden, along with the um, the family next door, the Murphys. The Murphys. Which are a uh, boy? Are they they got problems. That's a messed up family. It's, it's now my theory that every good season two has a um, 
pivotal character named John Murphy. <laughs> hey, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. Uh, we also catch up with with uh, Lori and Tom, yeah. who have sort of you know have linked up at the end of season one and are now on their own journey to try to heal from the cult times they both had in season one. The cult times. And of course, everyone's favorite Matt Jameson's around. Yep. He has moved with his wife to Jarden. His vegetative his wife. vegetative wife <laughs> who he he believes woke up one 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 night when they first moved when there, they first moved there and because of that is stuck in this like groundhog day cycle mm-hmm. of trying to recreate that moment so she'll wake up again and that's basically oh the, the inciting incident is essentially the the like the day the garveys move in the the daughter of the murphys which is evie evie, evie, evie uh, and two of her friends seemingly vanish uh, in a way that seems like they may have departed which is obviously, you know, freaky for a lot of reasons. But really in, in Jarden. It, especially in Jarden, but also the idea that there could be a second departure is horrifying to a lot of people, especially Nora, who, yeah. of course, you know, lost her entire family in the first departure. Yeah. And, and it also, when they, I mean, this is kind of getting too. No, go ahead. When, I think for, for Nora, when, when uh, Evie and her friends disappear, uh, Kevin's also in one of his sort of fugue states and he leaves like the house in the middle of the night and she wakes up and he's not there and she mm-hmm. freaks out um, because she's like, where is everybody? But yeah, shockingly w- witnessing a woman's death at the end of season one did not make Kevin's mental problems any better. No, he is now being followed by the ghost of Patty wherever he goes and is having long conversations with her mm-hmm. and is having still more blackout of uke states during the first of which we, well, not the first one, but like the, he has one when the girls disappear, and he seems to have been trying to kill himself, which we later confirm is just what happened. Yeah. And that's that's essentially the, the overar- overarching plot. But the way the season is constructed is part of what I love about it, which is that it takes the structure of those two episodes in season one, guest, and uh, was it two boats in a helicopter? The, the Matt episode and the Nora, the Nora episode, episode yeah. where it focused on one character and told a very, like, contained like part of the overall arc but very self-contained story like with one specific point of view and it applies that format to the entire season every episode is give or take like one or maybe two or three characters there's a specific point of view and a focus in each in each episode that i think really makes for like a very strong individual units that add up to a greater whole especially by maybe my favorite move is the first episode is you know, we don't see the Garbies for the first 45 minutes of the episode. We start in Jarden with the Murphys. We see Matt Jameson and his wife about half an hour in, but still, we're spending most of the episode with this new family. And it is my, like, platonic ideal of a second season beginning because it's, it's basically the second season of Lost's opening stretched out to a full episode length. I've just, I, and I, But I've always wanted to either write or just watch an episode of TV where the second season begins with a sort of soft reboot. Or you're thrown into a new world with new characters and you have to sort of figure out what their deal is before you get back to the characters you've, you've grown to to, to to know and love and have been following. Well, this is a kind of leads into a point I wanted to make about, like, I think a lot of um, science fiction or, in this case, sort of magical realism, because I don't really know if we can call this science fiction, but... Um, it, I guess it depends it, on what you think might have happened during the, during the departure. <laughs> yeah. It, it's um, very lightly science fiction, yeah. I'll say. I think a lot of, like, uh, science fiction shows, especially that involve, like, an inciting incident or, like, a, a very high concept premise, have a lot of trouble doing a second season because they've told the story 
they've told the premise and they've told how they got here and like and fulfilled that Mm -hmm. and they have trouble resetting what the main conflict is going to be and i think i think that's another reason that why the second season of the hundred is so good because they do that really well um but i think this also does that really well and it's like okay because it's still telling the story we were telling in the first um in the first season but it it totally is like okay this is another facet of this story and we we finished like chapter one basically mm-hmm. and now we're gonna tell a different you know volume two or whatever um we're gonna we're gonna tell another another story that um that comes out of this particular premise as instead of being like we're gonna continue this the first story that came out of this mm-hmm. premise and i think so many shows that have like a high concept premise like that really really struggle to close off a story like to finish to finish a story and i think that is one of the reasons that the first two seasons that i've watched now this are so good it's one of the reasons i i really love the hundred because it does that really well every season um not every season most it does that every season (laughs) yeah (laughs) some seasons it does that well um so i think i think for a a a show that has a, a very high concept premise like that to be able to reset and um and explore the premise in a different way um, is just like really what what makes it successful. I'm trying to think of an example that doesn't do that well, but if <laughs> I, I didn't come up with one before I um, think, I, I mean, I guess kind of lost, but because <laughs> it, you know, it's a very high concept premise. I mean, lost certainly exhausts the idea of uh, what if these people were all, trapped on an island together because of a plane crash yeah pretty early on in its run yeah not like before the first season is up but like yeah. well before the show is over um but i think part of what makes this show not fall into that sort of trap is because the thing that you know you, you might be considered the inciting incident of the whole show which is the departure has already it, happened it, well it's really like it's not even really part of the plot it's just the world building yeah so really like the departure is just the world we exist in and mm-hmm. just the, it's the fact that we exist in this post-departure world yeah which again as i talked about at no ad nauseum at nauseum <laughs> <laughs> last episode is basically makes it our world yeah but just you know cranked up a, a bit a little sprinkle of magical realism. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of why we decided flavor. we didn't want to call it like full-on science fiction because, like, it's not really that different. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, in a way, it's 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 the most science fiction because it's taking a fantastical premise to tell stories about our current day world. There you go. We um, should we should mention that the episode I've 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 misled. Uh, anyone who is for some reason listening to this even after our many warnings hey cut it out <laughs> get out of here watch the show first we don't actually begin in in jar well we begin in jardin but we begin in jardin's circa pangea era oh yeah we never i forgot about that pangea is not the right reference it's but like we begin in caveman times <laughs> caveman times pre pre any um, non-native people. That, that, I think that I think that would make this perhaps the at least the second most successful caveman-themed episode of television ever to air. What is the first? Probably the pilot of the Geico Caveman TV show. <laughs> um, I mean, well, did we ever really come back to why the caveman thing? Well, the, the caveman thing is like well, first of all, woman, cave woman, cave woman, yeah, cave people. There's more than one cave woman. Yeah, there's a cave baby as well. <laughs> the cave, the cave people thing is. First of all, it's just sort of a fun, like, 
almost trollish but not quite way to start your season because it came out of a discussion they had in the writers room where they were trying to decide you know well if we're telling this like if we're going to do a previously on the leftovers mm-hmm. how far could we go and tom proto was like could we go back so far that it was caveman times <laughs> and they did it yeah or maybe it wasn't tom proto that said that but he Someone you know, did. <laughs> they, he was in the room with them at some point and it's it's sort of is both a <laughs> <clears throat> it's it's sort of is, is meant to immediately pair like reflect the story we've been telling because the cave people story is this 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 cave person this cave woman is like there's a sudden catastrophe that happens that like separates her from her family mm-hmm. like and, and it's basically it's like a rock slide it's like an earthquake that that like traps her family in a cave or kills them or just separates her from her family and so it, it's not the same thing as the departure obviously but it has the same effect which is she's now out in this world by herself alone much like Nora, she also comes upon a... No, she has her own baby. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting jumbled up. I got confused because I didn't realize there was two cave women. Well, it's confusing because that cave woman <laughs> is like stumbling around like for like a good 10 minutes of ride. the opening sequence. Yeah. Um, eventually dies. And then a cave woman who looks a lot like Nora comes and picks up the baby. Mm. And so I now... I really noticed that. No, it's, it's, that's kind of subtle. But I, I think it's meant to... Because we, we, you know, Nora's story is that she's now raising someone else's child as yeah. like a part of her coping mechanism for what she's been through, and so we see this cave woman, you know, picking up another cave woman's child to carry it on. It sort of is like a, you know, there's there's a degree of, of hope there, possibilities of new beginnings, but it's also then it transitions to present day Jordan. It also establishes that Jordan is on an area of uh, tectonic activity. Earthquakes happen. <laughs> Earthquakes happen, and so it's it's sort of just like a that's a part of it is just a flex they just want to see how weird they can be in their opening <laughs> sequence but also it really comes back around at the end of the show where at the end of like, the season i was like <laughs> when when kevin is, is after he's been through the, the, the worst the two days anyone's ever had possibly he died twice <laughs> he did die twice <laughs> and he's you know his, his kevin's entire struggle without this whole season this is probably jumping ahead too oh. kevin's whole struggle this whole season <laughs> is is his sort of you know, his, 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 he got, he worked through some of it in season one, but he still has this latent, like, just discomfort with being part of a family. He just wants to, some part of him just wants to get away. And Patty, like, even says that much to him during this, the course of the season, which is that, you know, if you really loved your family and wanted to be with them, you wouldn't be going out at night and trying to drown yourself. And so when he finally comes back, uh, and he's, like, finally committed to staying in this world and being part of this family, you know, we get that, we get one more earthquake, and it's sort of a reversal of the opening sequence. Whereas before someone was separated from their family by an earthquake, now it's happening again, and, and Kevin is being reunited with his new expanded family. You've thought about this a lot more than I have. Uh, I have felt about it a lot more than you have. <laughs> I, I don't think about the leftovers. I feel about it. Um, so that, that's my take on it. I'm sure there's, there's, there's certainly other takes available, but mine is the correct one. <laughs> Uh, so Kelsey, yeah, enough, enough, enough jibber jawing, yeah. enough jib jabbing. How'd you feel about this season? I liked it. I think it did a really good job, like reestablishing the world in, in a new place. I, I, I am. Um, in some ways, I miss Mapleton, <laughs> but in other ways, I don't. <laughs> oh, because we never uh, got any more of Jill's friend. I was just very concerned about Amy, okay? I don't know what her fucking deal was, but like... Amy's fine. She well, needs she, help. She's probably not fine, but she's gone. She's don't, not fine. Don't worry about she's Amy. She's definitely not fine. <laughs> but, you know, there's a teenage girl who was clearly in need of some help, and I was worried. But, you know, I, I'm past it. 
there's more teenage girls who need help now. Um, yeah, I think this season was... I, I liked it a lot. I don't know... For me, I don't know that it was any better than the, than the first season. I think it was, like, just as good, which is um, mm. really good. Um, uh, it's just different, and um, the story is different. I think there's, again, some really wonderful acting performances. Um I think uh, Regina King is amazing. Oh, Regina King is an amazing addition to the cast. So good, so good. Um, I think, you know, we get to see Carrie Coon flex a little more. Uh, it's a, when you're with Carrie Coon, it's just a 24-7 flex, baby. <laughs> um, you know, as established in the previous episode of this show, uh, uh, Justin Thoreau is so, so good. Um, the guy who plays John. Kevin Carroll. I just had to look it up. Kevin Carroll, e, um, uh, Evie's, uh, Erica, sorry, Erica's wife. Regina King's character's name, Erica. Yeah, Erica's wife. Eric, Erica's husband. <laughs> John, is, John is is is. Yeah. Um, the husband. Erica is the wife. <laughs> they're both great. Um, they're both great. He he particularly is like walks this really great line between like scary and um like just broken. um which i think he is both um the character but like the the actor does a really really good job of of portraying the complex emotions that that john is definitely feeling and living um so i I, like i hats off to him he he um because he could have been this like really really hateable character who you like don't really root for and you don't really root for him but you don't really root against him either and that's like a big achievement i think in the acting and the writing absolutely and also it's important because you know john murphy and kevin garvey are paired off together for a bunch of very crucial scenes the same way that uh, carrie coon and, and regina king are for their for their respective characters they basically have a whole episode that's, that's just them facing off and it's mm-hmm. fantastic mm-hmm. and they both like oh god that scene where she's given her the questionnaire ugh, so good brutal <laughs> Um, and they both need to sort of match the other person in a, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And because I, 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 Carrie Coon is the absolute best actress of all time. I feel that way when I watch the show. I don't know if I, that holds up to scrutiny, but I feel that way when I watch the show. Uh, but something about Justin Thoreau's performance as Kevin is like so, I just can't resist. Like it, I, I, it makes me laugh whenever I see him doing stuff. Not because yeah. it's funny, because it's so ridiculously it's good. It's so like, real. It but his, feels like it's... Because that's what life is. Like, when shit happens, like, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Like, when the stuff he's going through happens, you're just like, what the fuck is happening? And it's kind of funny. And you feel it. He has a delivery in the... Well, there's there's a pretty absurd scene in the finale where Kevin is uh, in what is possibly the afterlife, possibly just a near-death hallucination. And someone tells him what he has to do to to get, get out of it and come back to life. And, it's, and he says, I don't want to do it. And the guy says, why not? And Kevin says, because it's stupid. <laughs> and it's just the greatest delivery. And it somehow like both undercuts and reinforces what's happening in the, in the, in the well, scene. Well, and like, it's, it's true. Because like yeah. the first time he was in this place, because it's not the first time he's been there. No. <laughs> he had to like kill a child. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second time he has to sing at karaoke. Yeah, yeah, it's stupid. But it 
and and this that that constant line Justin Thoreau is walking in this show of being this like ridiculously buff and handsome dude doing this like who's just like constantly on the verge of tears, but is also like so relatable and likable and just recognizably human. And you match him with Kevin Carroll as John Murphy, who is playing the a similar thing, but in like almost a darker way. Mm-hmm. Like he's on the edge of just like complete, just like fury and rage all the time. Mm-hmm. And see them matched up is great. It's a great pairing. The same thing with, with Virginia you know, King and Caracoon. Yeah, yeah. They're just they're both like because God that that scene though, like that whole no, like I feel like no other actresses could have done that. Yeah, because they they both they're both sort of like these these these. Uh, they 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 put a lot of stake in their 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 place as as mothers as maternal figures, and they both have like been separated from their children for various reasons, and the and and the conflict between the two of them about how different are those reasons, who is to blame, what caused this, am I is my worldview wrong or is yours wrong, and they both can't exist, but they're both sort of like so they're they're when they have the conversation like their entire like sense of self is basically on the line, and they're both just like in the same zone, but they they approach it so differently. Mm-hmm. Carrie Coon, you know, <laughs> nor, nor, nor Durst best character ever. She's still, she's still approaching life in her own, her own unique way, her own idiosyncratic way. Um, and that's a character that would be so ridiculous if it wasn't played by the right actress, but fortunately they found the right actress, mm-hmm. Carrie Coon, best actor of all yeah, time. I think, I think that's true about all four of those those parts that's true i think that those would have been ridiculous played by the wrong people <laughs> you can't imagine really anyone else in those roles no like i mean i i am like i i i'm impressed with the other three but kevin carroll like the the line he walks in that in this season of television is like so nuanced and and uh it's just like and i think it's it's partly because i've saw Justin Thoreau do that in the first season, so now I expect it of him. <laughs> yeah. And then this guy comes in and, and does it just as well in a different way. And it's just like, oh, oh, man. Um, because he, he's like, you don't... It's it's very much like you don't want to like him. He he kills the main character in the yeah. season finale. Yeah. He, he <laughs> murders him, in cold, in, not in cold blood, but yeah. for, for but no good reason. But you don't... You're like, well, that was dumb, but like, you don't hate him for it. And by the end of the episode, they're friends. <laughs> And you totally believe it. Yeah, no, totally. Um, no, I, I, I just think he, he's the one who impressed me the most in this in this particular um, this particular season. Um, uh, there was something else I wanted to say. Oh, if we're talking about acting, we need to talk about the sort of revelation of this particular season is that Liv Tyler has been miscast her entire <laughs> acting career. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Speak on it. So Liv Speak Tyler, on it. Liv Tyler played, has played up till now, I think, like, mostly these, like, sort of, not even heroine characters, but very much, like, just, like, love interest characters. Very innocent, good girl. You know, she's got a very, you know, pale porcelain face and kind-looking eyes characters. If she's not the, the elf princess, she's yeah. the girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. And this is a terrible mistake because Liv Tyler should be playing sociopaths because that's what she does in this. And she does it so fucking well. There's a moment in her, her featured episode, her yeah. spotlight episode where she's, she finds something out and she starts laughing. Yeah. And it's the most like horrifyingly like evil laugh yeah. you've ever heard. Yeah. But they, and, and you watch this, you watch this, this season and you see her 
show up and do some awful things. Awful shit. And like be so appalling, but so watchable. And you just think, why did they try to give her Jennifer Aniston's career? <laughs> yeah. Why? 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 <laughs> she doesn't need that. No, I'm trying to think of like whose the... career does she need? Well, the pro- the problem is there's no like female actress who's given like that like the proper material all the time. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> it, it sucks. I, I don't like it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, she's like they. She's just been totally miscast her whole career because she's um. I don't. I've never liked her as an actress. And again, she's a hateable fucking character in this in this but like she's so good at it like she like you hate patty like you don't like patty in season one you don't like her in this season but like you get where she's coming from especially by the end of this season yeah you sort of like you get you really get to look at like what makes yeah. patty like the, the sort of the, the core of who she is yeah and, like, and, the, sort and of you the hurt like abused person she is deep yeah. down and you don't like you don't like you don't hate her as much because of it but like meg is just like you're just like what the fuck woman (laughs) and she's she's so messed up and she's so like but she just she plays this so well this sort of unhinged you know very much seeing the power vacuum in the guilty remnant and seizing that which i think is an interesting and I, i kind of i'm excited to see where it goes um it's interesting because the arc of her in this show up to this point really is kind of her evolving from playing the role of literally someone's like wife yeah like just like a nobody like nothing into this this great like the 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 villain of season two essentially like there's you you get an explanation for why she is the way she is and it's Mm -hmm. like you you think oh damn that's that's fucked up yeah yeah but it doesn't really make you like sympathize with what she's doing no because she's I mean, in her flashback... Because her whole thing is that, like, her mom died the day before the departure. Yeah. So, so she, she, like, didn't get a chance to properly mourn. Yeah. Which, which, definitely, like, which definitely would put you in a place. But it but you, it you, doesn't put you in, no. like, blow up the world <laughs> you, place. You wouldn't necessarily, <laughs> like, go to this level. No. And uh, But also, it's, it's sort of, like, it's, it's also sad because that sort of is, I think, what happens at the end of the season when the Guilty Remnant launches their big plan and you think it's going to be something really catastrophic and violent and destructive and turns out just to be basically the storm the gates of jardin yeah jardin why am i saying it like that jardin 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 and just sort of like knock down this this false barrier they put up between themselves and the outside world which again the guilty remnant was right hashtag patty did nothing wrong um and but at the end like at the end kevin kevin when kevin meets them he sort of like walks away from them it's because because oh he sees that this is really all they had yeah they made their point but now they've got nothing else to do as 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 uh, as she herself says family is what it's all about and they don't and she doesn't have any and i think the i think in this season even more so than the last season i see like the guilterman's whole thing is like you can't forget right you can't just go on with your life it's not just that you can't forget it's that you can't pretend it didn't happen it didn't happen yeah which is why it's so destructive for the um the murphys yeah. because their entire family is built on pretending, pretending this, this awful series of things didn't happen to them yeah. in like their their past and um, and that's why evie shows her mom the thing that says you understand at yeah, the end yeah because she does she's just been trying to hide from it for mm-hmm. you know evie's entire life basically yeah and i think um 
but yeah, I think the the guilty remnants like point is much clearer this this season for me than it was last season. Until like, because I feel like last season it wasn't clear until they're like, oh, let's put fake bodies in everyone's house. <laughs> um, but this season, I feel like the the sort of subtlety of that message was uh, better. Yeah, especially um, because in in season one, the people of of Mapleton are like. Sure, maybe they're trying to, like, they're not dealing with this the way the Guilty Remnant thinks they should, but they're basically just, like, normal people yeah. who, like, the Guilty Remnant fucks with in an extremely, like, upsetting way. Yeah. Whereas the people of Jarden have, like, walled themselves off from the rest yeah. of the world and have, like, sort of, like, built this this fiction around their lives yeah. that is, like, not sustainable and not healthy. Mm-hmm. So, like, to sort of try to tear that down and, like, let in these these hordes of, like, desperate people who have, like, crowded around the city gates for, yeah. for months um, is sort of, it's not, it's not good but it's also it's not it's not as upsetting as their plan in, in season one. It sort of is like almost celebratory when they when the people actually get through. Yeah, it sort of is nice to see because they're just like partying in the town square. Like as far as we see, they don't they're not like going into people's homes. And yeah, they, they didn't go in there to like to like destroy anything. They just yeah. wanted to be in Jarden, yeah. and now they are. Yeah, and I think um, if we can kind of talk about um, I think the guilty remnants whole like we can't pretend it didn't happen thing also sort of aligns with um john's whole there's no miracles and miracle type thing yeah um and like in some ways i think they have the same point um that we can't like they can't i think john now that i've thought about this a little bit i think john doesn't think that the departure was like He doesn't find it religious or, or like, spiritual in any way. Um, I don't know what he thinks about it, but I think he he doesn't think that the town was spared, necessarily. He just thinks that maybe they got geographically lucky or something. Yeah. Because there's so much suffering. Cause he, and he's experienced that his, himself. And, and then and at, at the hands of someone who was very, very religious. Yeah. So, like, he cer- probably certainly has a, a just a distaste for the entire idea of spirituality. Mm-hmm. On the basis of that as well yeah. i think it's also it's, it's it is a, meant to be a grander more philosophical issue he's having but uh certainly it comes back to the fact that the person who abused him was a was like a not maybe not a preacher i think he was just like very involved in he the just, he's just a, he's just a very very religious person yeah. uh virgil Oof. Oof. that's a good actor too that guy that guy's great yeah uh, virgil that's yeah. A, that's that's obviously a um reference to the inferno yeah and then we have the uh, the odyssey reference at the end yeah where, where Kevin comes back to life the second time and his dog's waiting for him, Aww, like Odysseus. And the dog left. Yeah. So sad. Sad when the dog leaves, yeah. but... Um, one storyline we haven't touched on yet is Laurie and Tom's storyline, really. Yeah, I get the sense you didn't... Didn't love it. Didn't care for that. Didn't you care you for really it. don't like Laurie. I don't like Laurie. I don't know why I don't like Laurie, but I don't like Laurie. Do you, why, why don't I like Lori? Is it because she left her family? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, her family was in a bad way. I mean, her like I, I don't like resent like that. Do you think maybe it's because Kevin is so like incredibly sympathetic in the first season, yeah. whereas Lori, because of like what her character is doing, is like almost like intentionally not allowing you to to sympathize with her in the same way. And then I think in in. I think partially that and partially when we think she's kind of on this redemption arc this season, it doesn't feel like that. It feels very much like 
it doesn't feel like she's actually like the whole concept is like she's trying to help people get out of the cult lifestyle but it doesn't actually feel like that it feels like she's out for herself oh absolutely she is yeah i think and, i think we're meant to, to yeah, take that away and like and so you don't you don't really feel like she learned anything because like you feel like when she left her family she was only looking out for herself which is like you know whatever you do you like i don't hate her as much as like other people in this show i just don't sympathize with her at all which is like the people in the show are easy to sympathize with like and so the fact that i don't is is weird but and i think you know she when she leaves her family you feel like she's just out for herself and then like this season when even when she either she thinks she's trying to do something good or Maybe she doesn't, you know, think she's trying to do something good. You just feel like she's still only out for herself, even though she's out of this, you know. I don't, and and I don't know. They try to do this thing where like Jill won't talk to her, and you're supposed to feel sorry for her because Jill won't talk to her. But like, I'm like, yeah, don't fucking talk to her, Jill. <laughs> I don't think you are. I, I didn't feel sorry for her. Really? For her. The main thing I felt was that they like <laughs> because because Laurie's like. Why don't you, you gotta talk to me sometime? And Joe's like, "What did you just say?" I'm sorry. Do and, I? And you can see Lori's like, "I okay, really, I, I walked fair, right. I walked fair. right into this one." <laughs> and like, and, and Lori's like, "You can tell me to go, and I'll leave you alone." And Joe's like, "Still won't tell her to leave because she still, yeah. you know, loves her on some level." Yeah. Um. So my basic takeaway is that their relationship is is damaged, but not totally beyond repair. Yeah. Um. Because- just to me, Lori has the most work to do yeah well that, that's i mean she spends most of season one in a sort of a static place yeah and i also think that it doesn't help that she spends season two like sort of mowing people down with her car that <laughs> once again the show refuses to let you enjoy the uh the guilty remnant being hurt yeah even though it's all you want throughout season one when well, it happens and, you feel bad about it and when we're supposed to see her like helping people or learning or whatever she feel it feels like she hasn't learned anything like, she's not coming at anything from a place of remorse. Um, you know, and, like, she... And I, I think for me, the big thing is that, like, Jill almost died in the second... In the end of the first season. Yeah. And that was Lori's fault. Like, it was. And we don't see remorse from her at all. We just see her trying to use her experience to, like do something no she's she's processing it yeah and she hasn't gotten to the point where she can actually like understand why what happened happened yeah which i think is why she you know the the the, the agent tells her in that meeting about her her tell-all books that she's writing yeah which is hilarious <laughs> that it, it it's all reads correctly but doesn't make him feel anything what it, what it was like yeah because laurie's doesn't have the sort of remove to actually like get that across yeah. and when he, when he tells her that she flips out and then yeah. fucking tackles him but it's like even after that i don't feel like that was a turning point like it doesn't feel like she processes anything else from there like the stuff with tom and like sort of using holy wayne's story to like help sort of people and then when she comes back looking she comes to jarden looking for tom and the the way she talks to kevin like really bugged me like, like, I mean, like, he asked for her help, but, like, the amount of authority she comes at him with upset me because I'm, like, you are in no place to mentally, to, to like, like, I know she's a therapist, whatever, but, like, 
I just don't feel like she's in a place to to be telling someone that they're mentally unstable. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I just I I don't sympathize with her as a character at all. And um, she's she's like the one character that I'm just like you know I could I could do without you. <laughs> I, I think I think Laurie's turning point is when Tom leaves. Yeah. Because he gets just sick of her shit basically. Yeah. So I'll say in the season three, Laurie is is her her evolution continues. Okay. If you don't like her by this point, you might not come to like her but she definitely is not she does have a way to go i think for me it's like she doesn't i i don't think she's a good character honestly like i don't think she i mean it may be because it's she's given so little to work with in the first season because like she doesn't talk um but we don't like she's a what's the word i'm looking for she's like a vessel for other people's stories yeah. Like all the all the stories that happen are reacting to her. She's not acting. And then when she's acting in the second season, you saw her doing nothing for so long that you're upset. Like you're just like, why are you doing this now? Like what? It's hard to explain. I just, I, I want to like her more than I do, but I really just don't fucking like her. That's okay. <laughs> but you know who I know you do like. It's your boy Matt Jameson. I do love me some Matt. Back Jameson. at it again with a, with a solo POV episode that is the most stressful thing oh, ever on television. So stressful for oh. a lot of different reasons. I, I don't even want to get into it, but just did I did I did I not tell you? Yeah, did it I, was very stressful. Yeah. and then you're stressed until the very last episode about whether or not he did that. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, I'm so glad he didn't. Yes, me too. <laughs> I'm glad Mary's awake. And they can be happy-ish, maybe? Well, you know, it's the leftovers, so. Yeah, well, we'll see. But we'll I'm see excited to see that character be a character that's not vegetative. Yeah, it's great to see her up and about a little bit. Yeah, I like Janelle Maloney a lot, so. She's great. She's like kind of a big name actress for someone who's spends most of the first two seasons just doing nothing doing nothing which is why i was like i was like she's gonna wake up like you don't cast janelle maloney to be vegetative for three seasons <laughs> and, she, and she's still not like she's not a, ever gonna be a major character no but like she's like a big enough name that like you wouldn't cast her to play a corpse basically yeah. and when when she <laughs> like comes- she's, she's someone who you would like you know cast as a a regular or a recurring <laughs> character and when she comes back with comes comes back and like Matt sees her for the first time, it's like it really is very sweet. It's so it's, nice. It's, it's very moving. To, it's nice to see like it's something go okay for Matt for a yeah. second. Because <laughs> <laughs> the rest of his life is just like the the bad stuff happening constantly. So messed up. Um, I will say something else I found very moving was in a different episode that we need to at least touch on before we before we go, which is episode eight, <sighs> International Assassin. Oof. Oof. The, the the biggest the biggest the uh, curveball in the series probably. I do want to say that I between episode seven and eight, I took a nine day break <laughs> of the, on this, so that was like a good way to get back into it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe longer than that actually. <laughs> so throughout the whole season. Kevin is tormented by these visions of Patty, mm-hmm. who is who's maybe a ghost or maybe just his own hallucination. It's left over, so you can't ever really say for sure. It's true. And finally, he decides, well, he, he meets with Lori, and Lori is like, you need therapy. You need, like, to get treated for this. You are you have a mental problem. And but Kevin's like, or, or I know a guy who lives in the trailer 
who says he can help me battle my demons in a supernatural plane. Which, again, is like me being like, yeah, you know, Lori's not really in a place to be like, hey, you need therapy. <laughs> that, that's the leftovers for you. Yeah. You're in a world where like both like <laughs> rational, like logic-based thinking and like insane magical bullshit are both presented as pretty reasonable like possibilities. Mm-hmm. And you, to the point where you might go like, yeah, I'll, I'll drink poison. Yeah, exactly. It makes as much sense as anything else. Fuck yeah. it. So he does that, and things don't go quite as planned, but he, 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 he wakes up in what is, again, either purgatory or... Uh, an incident at, at Owl Creek Bridge, <laughs> but he's in a hotel, and he essentially finds that he's there on a mission, and he has to he has to basically kill well, Patty. He chooses the suit. He chooses he, cho- he has to choose a suit. He gets to choose his his armor, so to speak, when he yeah. wakes up. <laughs> and so he chooses a a white suit, and he ends up he finds that he is suit. is it a black suit. He it's does black not suit. get the white suit. Yet. Uh, sorry, he's in the black suit. Mm. Um, and he, it sounds like it's like an unlockable in a video game. <laughs> That's like what, he starts off with that the black is suit. what the hotel is. It's just a big video game. Because there's two other outfits he could have chosen. Like, is he going to go back there? He's going to go back there. What can I... Uh, He's going to choose the white suit. What can, I, what can I say? Is there a white suit in the closet? No, there's like... Uh, well, there's the black suit he chooses the first time he goes there. There's the Mapleton... There's, I think there's like a fireman's outfit too. Yeah. There's also a priest outfit, which is interesting because throughout the episode, uh, episode eight, you see other people wearing the costumes he didn't pick. Ooh. Which is kind of... I don't know what to make of that. It's just a weird thing. Yeah. But he's in this afterlife place. Yeah. And it's, it's basically just a big hotel. Mm-hmm. And he has to kill Patty. Yeah. And he, he, he goes through, I mean, just, just watch it. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's so weird and surreal, but it's so of a piece of what's come before it. Yeah. And it's so is, it's such an amazing way to sort of like both dramatize what's happening inside Kevin's head as he tries to deal with this, this person who was such a huge figure in his life and like her continued influence on him and also like gets gets more the heart of like why patty is who she is i have some questions about that episode though unanswered Um, questions but finish please but the thing i really like about it well i like the whole thing it's amazing Mm -hmm. it's a fantastic hilarious weird episode but there's there's a part early on where we haven't seen kevin senior in a while that's my question well what is your question is he dead is he on a drug trip well, we know we know Kevin Senior got out of the mental institution and yeah. went to go went to, to Australia. went to Australia to do Perth specifically, apparently. Yeah, God knows what really. M- mushrooms of some yeah, kind. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and we don't see him again. That's in like episode one, episode two. Yeah. And then we don't see him again until International Assassin, yeah. when he appears on the TV screen in Kevin's hotel, and is like, is like, man, I'm I'm high out of my mind. You, I'm 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 seeing you right now. I'm in a different room. Where are you at? And there's they're like, it really seems like they are talking to each other across mm-hmm. this weird like extra dimensional divide yeah and it's like well it's, it's funny because like it's both like the funniest way for kevin like to basically get his mission because like kevin senior somehow knows what kevin has to do to get out but also and this is i don't know if i really have anything to say about this i just want to note it there's like a moment at the end where like they like kevin's like in this weird he's in this weird place he doesn't really know what's going on but he's trying to figure it out and his dad's telling him what to do and he's like there's they share this like really tender moment where Kevin is like, I love you, son. And Kevin's like, I love you too, dad. <laughs> and it's like, really? Because we haven't really seen that between the two of them because like, they've been yeah. through so much together, mm-hmm. so much bad times. And just seeing them like have that exchange, really like that really moves me for some reason. Oh. I, I don't know why. But yeah, oh God, that's such a good episode. And he like, he Kevin is so practical about it. Mm-hmm. He's never like, 
because when he wakes up he still remembers who he was in the real real world it's not like he's like oh i'm this guy and i don't know what's going no he knows who he is but he's now in this different identity and um so does that answer your question not really because i want to know what kevin senior is doing there's a lot more kevin senior content coming nice like a lot you will i'm looking forward in true leftover style you will both have your question answered and not answered (laughs) not answered in the same moment love it love it no that was a really good episode i thought the meg episode was a very good episode um yeah no uh it was a good season i'm excited for the next one um we want to talk about the title sequences that was someone asked me about that who who brought that up was that dave was it dave i don't know shout out dave Mm. um yeah so the title sequence as i mentioned i well i thought last season the title sequence was i thought you would enjoy this one a lot more really because the well the music is more the style of thing i think of you listening to more often it's like (laughs) that makes sense it's a bluegrass song (laughs) yeah with a with a quasi what's kind of it's like like, it's like an agnostic spiritual basically which is great i love an agnostic spiritual and uh todd snyder had a few good ones of those into it um but the 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 imagery is different it's not this it's not this over the top like Mm -hmm. like um sistine chapel type michelangelo michelangelo like style it's it's a it's a bunch of images of people yeah like almost stock photos in a way but like one or two of the or more of the people in the image have been like faded out and replaced with starry whatever well if you listen this far you've seen this because you've watched season two of the show yeah (laughs) or else or else and i i and you you how do you feel about it um well i i said i like the, the the song the music i like it a lot i like it better um I mean, let the mystery be. You couldn't get a more like direct message to the, the viewers of the show. Um, but I, I very much enjoyed the very heavy-handed Sistine Chapel Last <laughs> Judgment opening um, from the first first season. Just because I, I, I mean, me, <laughs> I, I like it a lot. I think, I think you are right though that the the new graphics or or you know uh, credits or whatever. Um, sort of fit the the actual theme of the show better because i think the first season they are you know there is a very heavily religious implied tone and i don't think the show itself is actually that religious um they don't talk about like christ a lot you know even when we're talking about like whoa dropping the c word well, like, well even when we're talking about religion and spirituality like within the show like they go to church matt's a priest yeah. and whatever um like that that aspect of it like being saved and that sort of thing i feel like that doesn't actually get brought up a lot i think the 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 first season is meant to be a playful take on the idea of a a rapture type scenario yeah but doesn't quite come across i think the part of the thing is for me that you you think of this season as being basically equal to season one Mm -hmm. i think this season is a big step up and i think part of that is reflected in the way i feel about the opening credits because i feel like season one is great but it's maybe tends to it's like a smidgen too much towards like the bleak overwroughtness of the whole thing which is reflected in the sort of the very overwrought opening credits mm-hmm. whereas i think season two has a lighter touch in some ways it's still the same you know miserable like emotionally devastating I, I mean, show there's some great like one one liners yeah this season. but there, there's a little bit more humor to it there's a little yeah. bit more light and there's a little bit more acknowledgement of the absurdity of what's going on and yeah. like more leaning into that fast of it and i think the opening credits of season two reflect that like slight adjustment in style in a way but just think how absurd it would be 
you had the opening credit imagery from season one with the season two song. What if I told you that in true leftover style, (laughs) you are both going to and very much not going to get what you're describing? Okay, I'm excited. Um, I'm going to assume that that means I'm going to get the imagery from the second season and the song from the first season. <laughs> that makes sense, actually. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> that, 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 uh, that makes more, uh, aesthetically that, that works better. <laughs> yeah. Season, season three is, it is maybe better than season two. The thing is, I season three is is the episodes themselves are probably better, mm-hmm. but I think that for whatever reason I'm just so because maybe because of the unique way it begins, yeah, and the fact that so is so fully bookended with like the two ends beginning and end of the season, mm-hmm. I think of season two as its own distinct thing, mm-hmm. which obviously it's it's also built on what comes before it and is like yeah. informs what comes after it, but I it, it in my mind I can think of it as like a single unit more than I can think of season three, which is its own new story, but is very much. The, the end of the of, of the, the whole saga. The whole saga. I think for season two, like, and maybe it's because you were like, it's a, it's such a good, you know, well defined story arc for the whole season. And I think it it really was. But for me, the, again, the the Lori storyline, like, it just mm-hmm. doesn't fit. It doesn't. I don't really feel like it contributes anything to the overall arc, um, other than getting Tom to find. Like Evie and them at the, like pushing Tom to towards the guilty remnant is all it accomplishes to me, and I think that could have been accomplished a different way. I think why well, I think the ultimate point of season two is the end is that that final shot of everyone in the house together. Yeah. With Kevin again returning to this newly formed like weird ass family. larger family, <laughs> and it's a very beautiful moment of like yeah. just like solidifying like the thesis of the show is like can you be part of a family basically when in a world where people can disappear at the, at the drop of a hat but like and, i feel like and i think i think if you if you view it that way yeah then well first of all the, the, i think the main thing is if you have to if you like like the character of laurie more than you do like yeah. say the, the degree that i do yeah her presence in the show by itself is is worthy of of, mm-hmm. of of you know her the time spent but i think if you look at it as like her journey towards being at that house at the end then what happens in her, in her episodes is 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 meaningful and is worth is worthwhile. I just I I feel like episode three, which is I think her initial episode, mm-hmm. off ramp, yeah. Yeah, I think it it doesn't really contribute anything to the greater storyline to me because when we see her again, like I feel like I've missed something. Like we like this, like we miss all of them. Like just it just the. I just think you could take that episode out of the season, and the season would still work. That's true, but th- then you'd be you'd be more lost when Lori showed back up. Yeah, I, I think guess, I think it would it would it wouldn't be it wouldn't just, it wouldn't just, feel it wouldn't feel right. You couldn't continue to have her on the show and not have her like struggling well, with like leaving the guilty remnant. I'm saying I'm saying she doesn't contribute anything to the show. <laughs> but she is the show. That's what I'm saying. So her being on the show is contributing to it. Well, agree to disagree for now. Agree to disagree. I mean, like, I agree with you that, like, I think the whole point of of the season is, is getting to that final shot. I just don't feel like I was invested in that story at all. I, I agree with you, too, in that you agree with me. And I also agree with me. <laughs> anyway, maybe my opinions on Lori Garvey will change. Also, it's a horrible name. Lori Garvey? <laughs> well, her, what was her maiden name? I, I don't always, know. <laughs> I always forget because I think it, it couldn't be worse. <laughs> Oh, the Garveys. Oh, the Garveys. 
Um, no idea. Can't can't find. It's not it's not on the front Wikipedia page, so I'm not gonna look it up. Anyway. Anyway, so now we come to the part of the show where you, Kelsey, predict how will it all end. How will it all end? So there's there's eight more episodes. Season there's three is a little shorter. More episodes. Which is weird. I don't know how intentional that was, how much of it is. Like the fact that this show got renewed for season three is a it's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> and I think that maybe part of that deal was they had to shorten the episode count. I don't I don't like that. It's, it's upsetting. There's, Just there's, the, the 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 symmetrical person in me. You you can you <laughs> yeah, but that, that bugs me too. And you also can see there maybe would have been more room for some other characters in season three. Yeah. Um, still fantastic season and I'm wondering Kelsey what do you think where do you think it's all going can I have like a limited number of questions what do you mean oh yes you can yes like you can give me a number of questions I can ask and I can ask them yeah so how many (laughs) questions can I have Uh, how about three questions okay Um, first question do we stay in Jarden I guess you cannot answer if you don't want to. But. Well, yes and no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Someone will stay in Jarden. Someone will stay in Jarden. I assume Mary. She has to stay there, right? <laughs> Until that baby is born, at least. <laughs> um, um, second question. Do we get to keep the Murphys as recurring characters? Yes. Okay. Not to the degree that we all would like, though. Okay. Um. Does season three start with kind of a hard reboot like season two did? No. Okay. Okay. So what we have is Garvey's all together again. All, all Garvey's of all types. Garvey's and, and Jameson's and Durst's and... Big big Garvey's. Small Garvey's. <laughs> um, they're all together. I think... Wait, let me, let, me, let me add a qualifier. There is not a soft reboot in season three yeah there is a it the, there's there's another prologue okay there's another prologue that is not immediately connected to the main action so my thing is either we're gonna get more of a a very much um proactive in uh fighting against the guilty remnant garvey clan or not. <laughs> um, You're not entirely wrong. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like... Because I, I feel like Meg is set up to be our, you know, main antagonist. Because we didn't see that much of her in this season. But she, like, it feels like set up for a larger role to me. A greater antagonist. And I'm wondering how that comes back into play and whether we are going to start seeing the guilty remnant as as an antagonist group or if like our heroes quote unquote are going to be sort of like working with them or around them because like you said they didn't i someone they didn't do anything bad necessarily in this episode other than just be like unfeeling <laughs> so, so, some someone definitely sees them as an adversary Okay. To, to be to be to be fought against. I would assume like, multi- there's multiple people I assume would see them as an adversary. Um, like Lori's got a bone to pick, you know. Nora, <laughs> also, 
I mean, Tom was basically raped uh, by Meg. Um, but in the same way, I can kind of see, like, Kevin and maybe, like, Matt sort of, like, trying to see the bigger picture, maybe? I don't know. Like, are we going to get... I feel like, to me, season three has to get broader. Like, it has to show us more of the the world. Yes. Um, more of the world that's affected by this and how we're dealing with it. Because these, these two seasons have been on a very small scale. Like, how how we live now on a small scale. And so I feel like season three, to wrap up the story, has to get broader. Which I'm wondering if it's like a sort of preview of that one when in International Assassin when it's like Patty's running for office. <laughs> um, but I don't well, know. I don't know. know. I, this this show continues to surprise me. So I will say, in, in many ways, the scale is is increased. Mm-hmm. In, in some in, in some sense, it's increased to the the, the widest scale it can possibly be. Um, but in, in another much realer sense, it stays very focused on these like characters we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still like. We do see more of the world. Okay, cool. I look forward to hearing your thoughts about season three. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed the show so far. I would be yeah. upset if you didn't. I know. I'd be really mad. Really mad. I'm, so I'm glad we didn't have to go there. Me too. Anything else you want to touch on before we... I don't think so. Special thanks to Danny About of the Weeping Willards for use of their song Outside in the Rain from their self-titled album available now on Bandcamp. And special thanks to Carly Sussman who designed our logo. You can find her work at carly-rose.com. If you like us, leave us a review, rate us, tell a friend. Subscribe. Watch The Leftovers. Definitely watch The Leftovers. Uh, If you want to read... If you don't like us, don't do anything. If you want to read some stuff I wrote, I have a website, jasonedwards.com.com. Dot com, D-O-T-C-O-M, dot com, period, com. It's meta, okay? It's meta. It's meta. <laughs> we'll be back We'll be back in two weeks, probably. Probably. With another episode about The Leftovers, and we'll be, we'll be wrapping it up. Wrapping up The Leftovers. Wrap, just wrapping it up. So until then, happy, happy holidays. holidays. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me Only I can mention me Only I can mention me It's a miracle Jordan, tell the sun shone bright A miracle miracle. (laughs) I never get the melody on that last part I'll get it